Well, good morning. Welcome back to the Broadcast Retirement Network. I'm Jeff Snyder. This is BRN Sunday. We've got members of the media, academia, financial services, and government standing by as we analyze all the news and events for the week. So sit back, relax, enjoy this episode of BRN Sunday. Take and drink of But if you're tired of the same we're going to kick things off with a look at what's happening on Capitol Hill in terms of legislation, litigation, regulation. Joining us on the line, they're back together again. The group, the band is back. David Levine, Kevin Walsh, both are principals with Groom Law Group. That is an employee benefits law firm based in Washington, D.C. And we also know them as the Legal Eagles. Gentlemen, great to talk to you. Thanks so much for joining us this morning. Thanks for having us on, Jeff. You know, with Valentine's Day coming up, no one, not even a, a single eagle wants to be left alone on a podcast or anywhere. So it's uh, it's good that we're back together this week. Well, it's great to have you. And David, let's uh, let's start with you because we talked last week when you were not here, we talked about new OMB rules. So that was regulation. Um, I think you wanted to talk and you and Kevin want to talk about some litigation updates. Why don't you kick us off? Sure. You know, it's been a little while since we've really gotten into – uh, litigation with you, Jeff, and listeners, it's good for you to be with us. Where is litigation right now? And in some ways, it, it, it sounds a lot of the time like the same rinse and repeat. But we thought it might be nice to hit a little bit of a, I don't know, recap. Last year was a really interesting year in the land of, of ERISA litigation, especially 401k litigation. Why? There were, de- there were decisions, and I'm not going to get wonky here. There were decisions even though Kevin will want to. But there were decisions in a number of uh, circuit courts of appeals. The United States is broken up into these into the different circuits underneath the Supreme Court. The key is we had like three circuit court of appeals decisions, which were very good for really making the point that a, a suit about 401k fees or investments can't just say, well, here's six plans that were cheaper or five investments that did better and therefore – that's all you need to say to make a valid claim and proceed down the rabbit hole, which is you make the complaint, people try to dismiss it, and then if, if it doesn't happen, you wind up in discovery, which takes a lot of time and resources for everybody involved. These, these decisions in some ways truncated the process, and we've seen, although not every case is a winner, we've seen a higher percentage of cases now where when they are brought with, I'll call it the more cookie-cutter style allegations, as many of us call it, where when the court rules, they're being dismissed because they because for failing to state a claim. That's a big news on the defense side because, as Kevin and I have talked about, people are looking at innovative products, whether it's you know, new types of default investment alternatives, whether it's just lifetime with with alternatives, whether it's life with whether it's lifetime income, all these different things. There's been some hesitancy, and these wins are a positive in that spot. Similarly. We, we continue to see claims about privacy, and at, at this point, the, the, the decisions, and everybody knows Kevin and I like privacy and cybersecurity. The, the, the interesting thing is in the claims involving use of data and data as a plan asset, the plaintiffs have lost on those. So you take those different themes. It doesn't mean lawsuits aren't happening. In fact, the plaintiffs in some cases are suing people they sued 10 years ago. They're suing them again now. But one of the things that's interesting and is you're seeing, in, I'll call it the plain Jane, plain Jim 401k lawsuits, you are seeing that there is more, there's increasing success at getting rid of them early. But it's still, 
hit or miss. There are other types of lawsuits out there involving products, involving MEPs and PEPs, and, and, and all those different things that are on the radar. But at the core area for a lot of single employer plans, there's been some progress. Now, where will it go? We'll have to see. I know Kevin talked about the, the 5500 last week and how the DOL is working on that. There's lots of data in the 5500 that DOL includes and the plaintiffs cite it. If the 5500 changes, plaintiffs will have more data and maybe they'll cite other things. It could change the balance. We will see. But I think the key right now is keep focusing on your process. Look at whether on the whether you're talking on privacy. There's no one requirement. But considering how do you deal with security? How do you deal with data usage? How do you deal with your investments and your record keepers and remembering there's no one right answer. Despite what lawsuits say, you don't always have to pick cheapest. You don't always have to say no, but you have to have a logic and a reason for your process in each. And it could be very simple. It could be complex. It's really dependent on the exact facts. And, and it can almost be an implied logic. So that right now, there's some, been some good turns, but remember, focus on your process. I think that's a quick high level review of, in some ways, an improving landscape. What do you think, Kevin? Well, so, David, I, I think you're right in talking about there being some green shoots. Um, even after, you know, a few years ago, we were worried where the Supreme Court didn't issue the ruling that the, the you know, retirement community was looking for. Um, but so we have seen some of that, that, you know, more dismissal of the motion to dismiss stage. Uh, and one thing, though, I think worth flagging, though, is that, you know, as these issues percolate around the courts, there's always the chance the tide's going to turn. Um, and, you know, right now, David says we're seeing green shoots. Uh, kind of the case that began building this trend was there's an Intel case in California. Um, and right now, you know, briefing is ongoing before the Ninth Circuit about that decision. So, you know, while we have had a you know, good trend for the last year and a half, it's going to be worth watching that case closely and watching other cases as as more circuit courts weigh in and eventually as the Supreme Court gets involved. Gentlemen, let me ask you a question. When it comes to the size of the plans and the types of the plans. Are we still looking at larger plans as being the target of some of these suits? And the reason why I ask that is I read, as a layperson, I always read the, uh, you know, there's a lot of settlements. And larger plans, I would think larger entities might have more money to settle. Uh, so is the focus on these larger plans and still the 401k and 403b arena? So let me jump in there. I mean, I, I, I think it started off as just the biggest of the biggest plans. I mean, when I was in law school, I had a professor who would ask, you know, he'd give us a fact pattern and he'd say, who would you sue? Mm -hmm. And the right answer was everyone with money. <laughs> um, that was the right answer. And you, you'd think through and you'd give the obvious answer. So I think we do see that right now in the plan space still where, you know, the biggest plans tend to be sued more. That being said, we have seen claims move, you know, further and further down market. Um, you know, and some of that is that more plaintiff side lawyers have gotten into the game. Um, and others is that, you know, the value of these cases in terms of, you know, avoiding discovery or kind of the nuisance settlement rate um, may be high enough that some of these these smaller firms are, are you know, pursuing these claims. David, did you want to jump in or I, I have one more question and then but go ahead. Sure. And no, I think Kevin nails it. I think if you look at the settlement ranges and everything. It, there are some firms that are firing, filing several dozen of these cases a year, and they lose some, they win some, some they settle for 
smaller number is we at Groom track a lot, all this internally. Our litigation team and working collaboratively gathers a lot of this. And you can see the trends, and each firm has sort of different outcomes. Uh, Jeff, I would be remiss if we didn't mention that last year there were all the suits, and we're involved in some, so we're not going to comment on the specific mm-hmm. ones, involving the use of passive target date funds, namely mentioned BlackRock, and uh, but it could be anybody. And there's been a number of wins in those lawsuits where people were asserting BlackRock funds were imprudent. There's been a number of really good early wins in those lawsuits as well. Uh, last question, and I'll let you guys go. I know you want to get back to uh, your families. Let me ask you about the potential. We talked about 401k. We talked about 403b. We talked about maybe moving a little bit. You know, you sue who has money. What about um, lawsuits for PEPs and MEPs? So those are some, you know, the, the PEPs. Oh, did, I, did I hit a raw nerve? No, you, you hit something. Our firm is, has been doing – there's been a good, not a gigantic number, but a decent number of MEP lawsuits. And our firm has done, a, a, it sounds like an infomercial, but it's true, <laughs> a huge a huge portion of, of those lawsuits. Like, we've defended a lot of them. And you're right. There's been a lot of MEP and PEP lawsuits, excuse, a lot of MEP lawsuits in recent years because the plaintiffs try to frame them in different ways. There's some unique factors. They're not exactly as cookie cutter as the 401k ones. And in, and, and in being involved... As Kevin said, there's a lot of money in some of these plans, and there's increasingly more money. So you're seeing lawsuits. It's the same thing on the pool, the, on pooled employer plans. Have we seen lawsuits yet? No. But at the same time, they are MEPs. And it would not surprise me if we see some PEP lawsuits as we go down the road. But PEPs are still in their infancy, so we'll have to watch and see. Hopefully not. Yeah, oh, fingers crossed on that. Yeah, so, I mean – Go ahead. Yeah, just building on that. I mean, you know, you look at ERISA statute of limitations, you think a three or a six year statute of limitations. And, and I think, you know, plaintiff's lawyers look at the statute of limitations, too, as, you know, if I bring this claim now, what's my potential recovery look like? Um, and with PEP still being so new, you'd think that plaintiff's lawyers may be, you know, out there trying to identify claims they'd like to bring. Um, but in terms of hoping to see higher damages from their view, uh, kind of laying wait until there's a a full window of you know, years where they can argue for losses. Well, gentlemen, we're going to have to leave it there. Really interesting. Always developments. It's a ever-changing world and comes in when it comes to retirement and benefits. Really appreciate having you on. And look, enjoy the rest of your weekend. We'll talk to you again next week. Sounds good. Thanks, Jeff. And thanks, listeners. Bye, Jen. Imagine a new television network that will make you richer, healthier, and in control of your financial future. This network is for the policewoman in Nashville, Tennessee, the baker in Dubuque, Iowa, the teacher in Lexington, Kentucky. We want to make the idea of savings and retirement culturally relevant. But what do you see as a defining issue of the midterms? Especially for the smaller businesses. I mean, they are the lifeblood of the American economy. Featuring exclusive interviews, current affairs, and docu-series. 
33 yeah. years old, you retired early. The philosophy is money only matters if it helps you live a life that you love. But you gotta start thinking about retirement as soon as you get in. The Broadcast Retirement Network will drive very high engagement with premium partnerships. So this isn't retirement and savings for your parents or grandparents. This is for all Americans. And we're gonna change the way you think about money. Welcome to the next frontier of retirement and savings. This is BRN, the Broadcast Retirement Network. Are you stuck with a low credit score? A credit report and score that's causing you to be denied credit or pay higher interest rates than others for the same things? Then do what Terrence did and called Credit Repaired for your free credit evaluation to help restore your credit. I started thinking about buying a new house and my score wasn't where I needed it to be. I called and spoke with one of the representatives and we just had a good conversation and I, I liked what he was saying. Just one call for his free credit evaluation was all it took to start back on the track to repairing his credit. I'm seeing the deletions and I'm getting the report so I know something's being done. It does make a difference to me. All it takes is one call to get started. Credit repair has given me a second chance to have a better credit score. Don't let a low credit score hold you back another day. Do what Terrence did and make the call for your free credit evaluation. Call 800-819-4152. That's 800-819-4152. Again, 800-819-4152. Welcome back. And earlier this week, I spoke with Jane King. She's a financial journalist. She joined us from the NASDAQ to discuss how raising interest rates from the Fed impact credit card debt and credit card rates. Well, Jane, thanks so much for staying with us this morning. Really appreciate you hanging around for segment number two. Of course. Thank you. Great to be here. Yeah, this is fun. This is fun. All right, Jane, um, we talked about the markets, the market reaction to the quarter point increase by the Fed. Let's talk about the in- increase to consumers. And, and we were talking about the the debt ceiling, and it, and it didn't matter to Wall Street. But let's talk about consumer debt for a minute. Uh, still going up. Every every report, every study you read says consumers are taking on more credit card debt. I guess my first question is, what could be the impact of this half uh, quarter point uh, increase to credit cards and credit card rates and consumers? Well, that's one of the first places we see it are those short-term debts. So that's credit cards, that's car loans, things like that. Not so much mortgages. They do tend to kind of follow in tandem, but almost immediately you see it in the short-term rates. So we've seen credit cards. I think the average uh, credit card interest rate now is at a record high, around 20%. So um, one of the first things, when they first started this interest rate hiking campaign last year, one of the first things I told people was, pay down your credit card debts as much as you possibly can. I mean, I know it's hard um, and, you know, not everybody's in a position to be able to do that. But if you can make double the minimum payments or something um, just to get those more under control. But we actually saw the opposite happen. (laughs) People, you know, charged a lot over the holidays. I think we had two holidays that were kind of pandemic affected. So I think people really wanted to enjoy the holidays this year. And part of that went on credit cards. So. We're seeing that, and let's just hope that people take uh, the first few months of the year and really try to get those debts down. Yeah, and it really can snowball for lack, I guess it's fitting for the weather in New York. It can really snowball and really impact. And we've done some shows on what people can do to, as you suggest, pay it down or maybe transfer their balance. They really should look into that. Let's talk a little bit about mortgage rates, because this one was you know, heading into the end of the year. 
um, or, or even heading into 2021 and 2022, there was a lot of conversation about the home buying market. We had historically low interest rates. Now with the increase, um, buyers have maybe take, taken a step back. What's, what potentially could be the impact of this quarter point increase to uh, home buyers? That's right. Well, we are seeing mortgage rates go up as well. Now, they went up to about 7% a few months ago, back down a little bit since then, as we've seen some signs of the economy maybe slowing down a little bit. But they still doubled in the past year. It makes a huge difference in the amount of home you can buy and what your monthly payment is. Um, so, in fact, mortgage applications and refinancings have kind of dried up. We've seen layoffs in that area as well. So um, all the interest rate increases have certainly had an impact on the housing market. Let's talk a little bit about inflation. Um, this is another economic indicator that everyone's watching. And a lot of people, as you said, they may have bought gifts for um, the holidays, you know, after Thanksgiving and into uh, the uh, end of 2022, but they're still paying high gas prices. Maybe the cost, I saw Frito-Lay is going to raise the cost of their chips. Uh, you know, I love the Fritos. By the way, Frito-Lay is not an endorser, not a sponsor of the program. They can be, of course. But I want to ask you in all seriousness, this, the impact of inflation, are, are we expecting it to come down more or what should we be looking for as consumers? Well, if you uh, listen to the Federal Reserve's comments, uh, Chairman Jerome Powell, after the interest rate increase, he talked about how he does believe that inflation is peaked and that he thinks that um, it's on its way back down again. It's kind of sticky, though, especially with food. Um, we've seen eggs, I mean, crazy increases with eggs, 60%. I mean, it's just unbelievable. And um, some of that is starting to settle down a little bit, although there are a few pockets of still inflation. Gas prices have started to creep up a little bit as well. Yeah. I think that has a lot to do with China reopening. There's just more demand for oil and gas right now. Um, I hope we've seen the the highest inflation, which we hit, I think it was June of last year, around 9%, 11% with the, the PPI. So we've seen that go down quite a bit, um, although they're still elevated historically. So I guess the thing is we just have to keep an eye on it and maybe cut costs where we can until it goes back down. Yeah, really good advice. I mean, individually, we really don't have control other than maybe what we, what we consume, but you can control things like your costs, though it could be difficult to do if you're on a limited budget. Jane, we're going to have to leave it there. Always great seeing you and great seeing you from the NASDAQ. Thanks so much for joining us and we look forward to having you back on the program again very soon. Thank you. And that wraps up this episode of BRN Sunday. Have a topic of interest, someone you think we should talk to, then drop us a line. And don't forget, for all the latest curated news in lifestyle, wellness, finance, tech, so much more all in one place, check out today's edition of our daily newsletter, The Morning Pulse. Want to search our archives, check out our latest content? We'll visit our website and, of course, all of our streaming partners. We're back again tomorrow for another edition of BRNAM. Until then, I'm Jeff Snyder. Stay safe, keep on saving, and don't forget, roll with the changes. <laughs>